continue our study on um, from the backyard to the nations, from the idea of our calling and what we're here to do, which is the fact that we're here to serve God, to glorify God, and to be about His mission. Last week we looked uh, at how God called, how Jesus called the disciples, and how He how He presented the mission to them out there on the on the uh, on the on the pond, fishing. And how uh, they had been out for a long night, they didn't get anything, and Jesus said, hey, go back out of here and throw your nets back out. And how Peter was, hey, okay, because you said so, because you said so, I'll do it. Okay. And what they got was more fish than they could ever imagine. The, the, the boats were sinking. Now, I want to fast forward through Jesus' life to the point where he's died, he's resurrected. I want to pick up at the end of John. And, and, and I want to look at what the disciples go back to doing. Uh, if you would, turn with me. John chapter 21. Uh, we're going to look at three verses, four verses. Okay? And I want to fast forward. And you're going to see uh, some of the same similarities, if you were here last week, that we talked about with uh, Peter and fishing. So let's look at it. Here we go. John chapter 21, verse 3. It says this. Simon Peter said to them, hey, look, I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, we'll go with you. They went out and they got the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Sound familiar? All right, so they, they were like, they looked at each other. Hey, look, Jesus isn't around. He, we're not really sure what's going on. I'm going fishing. He, result, he went back to something he was familiar with, fishing. All right, but they went out and they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And look at what Jesus said to them. Children, have you not caught any fish? They answered him, uh, no. He said to them, hey, Cast your net on the other side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That sound familiar to y'all? That's exactly what we talked about last, last week. Is the idea? It's almost like deja vu. I don't believe this is a coincidence in Scripture. I don't believe it's just, oh, it just happened to happen again. No, what I happen to believe is this, is that the disciples... We're, we're hanging out, and, and they, were, they were just questioning, what in the world's going on? We see this after Jesus' death and resurrection, that they were like, okay, really not sure what's going on. I'm a little uneasy about it. And Peter got up and he said, hey, I'm going to go fishing. That's what I'm going to do because that's what I know. And they went out and they caught nothing. Go figure. And it took Jesus to come back in the picture. And I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if in Peter's mind it was like, uh, you know, in movies where they do that flashback really quick and they go... And it's like a rewind. You like how I did that? It's like a rewind, and all of a sudden, he was back in that first day when Jesus was like, cast over here. I love Jesus' reaction. Every time I see this, and I'm, you're going to have to hate me for this, but um, it, it says this. Uh, they cast it, and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And look at, see, what, look at what Simon Peter did. He heard that it was the Lord. He put on, it, he put on his outer garment, and, stri uh, and he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. I get this picture of, <laughs> don't hate me for this, but in Forrest Gump, when Forrest Gump, after the storm, sees Lieutenant Dan on the shore, I'm on the shore, and he doesn't care about the boat, and he jumps in the river, and he's like, Lieutenant Dan, and Peter's like, he jumps in the water, and he doesn't care about the boat, he doesn't care about anything that's going on, he goes, this is Jesus, this is the one who I'm looking for, this is the one that is going to help us to ultimately do what he's called us to do, I need to get there, and I don't care what it takes. That, this is what I picture, and, and please, you get a little entryway into the what works and the works of how J. Mudd's mind works. So excuse me if you don't like it, you're, 
don't, don't leave on me, though. But this is how my mind works. And so I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this is intentional in Scripture of how the disciples needed to be reminded. And I believe it's something to be said to us tonight as well, that we need to be reminded of what Christ has called us to do and that he didn't just leave us hanging to do it on our own, but in fact he literally wants to walk every step of the way with us through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We need the Holy Spirit in us. And, and I think this is Christ reminding them, hey, that you can't do it on your own. Because see, in our flesh, what do we do often in our flesh when we get discouraged with what God is telling us to do? What do we do? We go back to our fleshful ways, don't we? Well, we don't think straight and we go back to those things in which we know what to do, right? I go back to the bluebell that's in the freezer. <laughs> or I go back to the chocolate Pop-Tarts. It's, it's bad for me. It's bad for me. I go there, and I should never go there. When I get discouraged or I'm depressed or I'm like, I don't understand what's going on, we go back to our crazy ways. And God sometimes needs to flip a switch and remind us of who he is, the master of fishing, the one who designed the mission and is going to succeed in finishing the mission. And we need him to do that. We need him to remind us of what he's called us to do. We are dependent on him. So now, if you would, and just you should be able to just flip the page, if anything, go to Acts chapter 1. And we'll pick up in the first uh, five verses, or two verses, uh, four and five. And look what it says here. It says this. And it shows how dependent we are on the power of God. It says, while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus knew something very important he was going to tell the disciples here. This was this, is that you need to wait. You need to be patient and wait because, hey, look, you're not ready to do this mission yet. You're not ready. I taught you a lot, but you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need me to guide you. And, and, and you know, when, do, when does this Holy Spirit come about? When do, it, it comes to the point for us today at the point of regeneration, the point in which we surrender our lives to Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. Because, see, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that draws us. Look at what John 6, says. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws me. We have to be drawn to Christ, and the Holy Spirit's the one that does that work. But for them, Jesus was still there, so the Holy Spirit had not come. So don't get confused in what it means by being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was still there. He was still uh, there in a, in a way after, after he had uh, resurrected. And so the Holy Spirit had not yet come. He was the one that came after Christ had ascended. And he did. And we're going to look at that in a minute. And ever since that point, he has, he has invaded the lives of Christ followers and has changed them from the in, inside out. And so we are unable to do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. It is interesting to me and it's mind-blowing how God... And of all the ways he could possibly use in the world to, to, to glorify himself and to show himself to other people, he has chosen to use us as an instrument. That is mind-blowing. Because I want you to know, I, I want you to self-examine yourself real quick. Self-examine yourself. All right, I want you to think of the good, the bad, and the ugly. How many of you guys got any ugly? Raise your hand, be honest. All right, all of you did not raise your hand, you lied, and so therefore raise your hand. You have ugly. All right? <laughs> We all have ugly, and yet God somehow in his way, his crazy way of doing things, which I've yet to be able to wrap my mind around, chooses to use you and I for his glory and his instrument. 
But here's the question we must ask ourselves. Are we open to God using us? Are you open to it? Are you willing? Are you, are you, are you just content with status quo? With what, what, what God's doing with you? I'm not. Let me be honest with you, I'm not. Because here's the reality. is We need God to do something amazing in our culture we live in. We need him to. And the thing is this, is this is the mind-blowing part. Is he, 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 together there are churches that meet all over the state of Florida, all over the United States of America. They assemble together on Sunday mornings. Thousands beyond thousands of people assemble on Sunday morning. And yet how many of us actually leave our churches and do anything with what we hear? How many of us can remember what you learned Sunday morning in church? Okay, that was a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer, okay? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, crap. Uh, maybe a little, Jay? I can't, I don't know. That was a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer. But those who did answer, hey, I'm glad. But, you know, statistically, in 2013, they did a study. And statistically, uh, about 50% or so, I hope I get this right, but about 50% or so, said that they felt it was their obligation and they actually did leave the church and share Christ with someone at least once in a year. That's crazy. But as I was reading these statistics this week and I was looking through them, there was hope for this generation right here. I'm on the tail end of it, so can I jump in your generation? I'm at the tail end of it, okay? But I'm like one year in there. But this generation, there's hope because 65% of you guys would feel like this is very important and that you need to do it. 65% of millennials or your, your generation would say, this is important, this is something we need to do. You take ownership of this idea of sharing your faith. And I'm grateful for that. And I want to encourage you as we look at this and as we, as we discover the power of the Spirit, because the next few moments we're going to spend a lot of time of looking at the beautifulness, uh, you know, how beautiful it is of what God wants to do and the power of what he wants to do through the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you. To seek and go, are, am I really allowing? Am I open to God doing that in my life? Taking me beyond where I'm willing to go in my flesh. Or am I willing? Look at what it says here. We're going to continue on in Acts chapter uh, 1, verses 6 through 11. Look what it says. So, when they had come together, they asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father has fixed on his own authority. It's not for you to know. Don't worry about that. In other words, you know, my kids oftentimes, I was telling you last week, they ask that question of why, or a lot of times they'll ask us, what are we, we'll get up in the morning and be like, hey, what are we doing tonight? I'm like, hey, can we get to breakfast? You know? Or we'll be driving down the road and they're like, hey, what are we doing tomorrow? Can we camp out? That's their favorite thing to do is camp out. But the, the reality is we, Jesus knew that if we start thinking about that, we're going to miss what's in the middle, the good stuff. And so he said, hey, look, it's not for, your, it's not for you to know. But look what he says in verse 8. Very, very familiar verse. You've probably heard it a thousand times. What he says, you will receive the power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven... As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said to them, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking to, Jesus, looking to heaven? This Jesus you has been taken up into heaven and will come 
in the same way you saw him from heaven. But look at what it says there in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Please understand that this power that he is talking about. One, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that equips us and empowers us to be his witnesses. You can't do the one before the other. You can't have the witness before the power is working. It's the power through the power of the Holy Spirit that God equips us and allows us to be able to do the mission in which he has called us to do. If we ever want to be witnesses here in Leesburg or in Claremont or in Orlando or in Gainesville or in Florida, if we ever want to be witnesses anywhere, in our, in anywhere where we go, it's going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong here and do not miss this. God does not need us to complete his mission. He chooses to use us to complete his mission. So don't get in there and say, well, then God needs me. No, don't, don't, don't hear me say that. God does not need us. But yet God so chooses to allow us to participate. And I hope you get that because it's the fact of this is that he opens up the door and says, hey, come in and, and participate in what I'm doing. You know, has anybody ever been the last person picked for something? <laughs> Growing up, I was always the last guy kicked. Uh, well, kicked too. <laughs> I was always the last guy picked. And, and, and I remember still today, Letty Marshall Dent in, in Mechanicsville, Maryland. I was in the third grade, and it was kickball. And I'm standing out there, and I was a roly-poly. You know, I was, <laughs> I was a big guy, but I could, I could get around the bases, and I could definitely kick the ball. And I stood there and watched every person get picked before me. Holy Holy gotcha, huh? And I was the last person to get picked. It would have made my day if one of the one of if Michael Lithcomb. His name was Lithcomb. I guess you have to say it was a list. Lithcomb. <laughs> Michael, if Michael would have picked me. You're thinking, Jay, you have issues, dude. You still remember these people's names? Are you that weird guy that's got a check mark? You're like, I'm gonna beat you, Michael. No, <laughs> I promise you, it's not me. But if Michael would have picked me, it would have made my day. It would have been thrilling to me to be one of the first ones picked, or even in the middle. I would have been happy with the middle for somebody to pick me. You say, well, I'm not looking for your sympathy here. I, I, I want to prove to you a point. Is that, look, God is standing there and he's going, hey, look, I choose you. I literally choose you. I literally called you by name, spoke to your heart, and said, I choose you to be my witnesses. Mind-blowing. Well, this little kid inside of me, that excites me that God chose me. That God called me by name and said, hey, Jay, come with me. And he wants to allow me to be on his team, partner with him, to, to, to go where he's going and do what he's doing, to walk in his footsteps. That is mind-blowing to me. And he says, look, you'll receive this power. You know, if, if you've ever been picked on the team that you're like, man, I wish I wasn't on this team. This team is definitely going to lose. Anybody? In sports? Okay, see, everybody's with me on that one. You never said anything, but you're like, man, I really don't want to be on this team. Hey, I I'm happy I'm on this team. This team is going to win. I've read the rest of the Bible. We win. We win in the end. And amen, we win in the end. This is the best team to be on. I'm grateful for that. And see, I, I, he says, look, you'll receive this power, and it's going to take over you, and you're going to be my witnesses. 
here and beyond. Don't miss the fact that he started in Jerusalem. Because where did he say, where did he tell him to stay at? He said, stay in Jerusalem. It's going to start here. Stay here. It's going to start here. That moment when you surrender your life to Christ and Christ invades your life and does something miraculous. He, he doesn't just invade your life and leave. No, he leaves someone with you. He leaves the work of the Holy Spirit with you. And through that Holy Spirit, there's power to be the witness that God has called us to be. There's power. Now, fast forward with me. I don't normally do this, but fast forward with me to the second chapter of Acts because it's Pentecost. And I want to show you the work of the Holy Spirit because this gets me way excited really quick. Verse 6 of chapter 2, it says this. So when they had come... Be- oh, no, nope, wrong verse. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 1. This is what it says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And then suddenly there came from he- heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house and where they were sitting. They divided tongues as if they were appeared to them and rested on one another. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, and, were, and the Spirit gave them an utterance. And there they were dwelling in Jerusalem. And while, where they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, look at this, don't miss this, devout men from every nation under heaven. Devout Jews, devoted men from every nation under heaven were there. And this, and this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. You know what the power of the Holy Spirit did? You know what the first thing, when the Holy Spirit stepped on the scene for the first time, do you know what he did? He came with a mighty power, empowering men to do things that they couldn't do on their own, to speak languages that they couldn't speak, so that Every nation under heaven could hear the amazing news of who Christ was at one time. Tell me that's not powerful. Tell me that's not mind-blowing. Of what work and the power of God to be able to do that in one setting. In Jerusalem. It started right there. As the moment the Holy Spirit came on the scene, he came like a rushing fire. Taking over the ears and the mouths of individuals. And they all heard the amazing news of who Christ was. Peter stands up and proclaims the good news. Thousands of men come to know him in a personal way that day. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit coming on the scene. That same Holy Spirit dwells in you and I. Causing ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But as we talked about last week. It's obedience. It's the idea, are we willing to allow God to do that? Are we willing to step back and go, okay, God, have complete control? Control. I'm a control freak. Anybody else with me? Yeah? I don't like my wife to drive. She freaks me out. <laughs> she would say the same thing about me. <laughs> the other day we were driving, side note, rabbit, roll, hold on. We were driving, and uh, she was freaking out, like, handle her brake that doesn't exist. And I looked at her and said, do you want to drive? She said, no, you're just freaking me out. I said, just relax, read a book. <laughs> I wasn't going to let her really drive anyway. I want to have control. <laughs> I think that's how we do it sometimes. Is, you know, hey, God, sometimes it's like over there going, hey, hold on, stop, put the brakes on. And you're like, hey, do you want to have control? He's like, uh, maybe. And you're like, no, I wasn't going to give it to you anyway. God wants control. 
full control. I think you're going to be one of two people. Let me use my kids for an example because, hey, we got to talk about them tonight. Let's use my kids for example. I have two boys. I have a three-year-old boy named Louie, cute as can be. His name is Louise. I have a one-year-old boy named Zachary who is cute as can be. Even cuter, I think, personally. But no favorites. <laughs> Two individuals, because he looks like me, exactly. I'm sorry, somebody had to say it. So here's the thing. I love this game. There's a game I play. We pick them up, and I throw them as high as I can. Okay? It's, it's a wonderful game. It's fun for me. It should be fun for them. But I pick them up, and I throw them. Now listen, listen. We put them on the scale. Zachary's got Louie by, I think, two pounds. Okay, two-year difference, but Zachary's fit like his dad. <laughs> Louie, well, Louie's skinny, mini, mini, tiny, tinny. So what happens is this, is I throw Louie up, and I throw Louie up, and I throw him up, and I throw him up pretty high. I throw him up, and, and, and there's a sense of joy, but yet extreme fear on his face as he's coming back down to me. Now, I want to I be honest, I've never dropped Louie. Never, ever have I dropped him. But every time I throw him up, it's like, ah. <laughs> and the first thing he wants is down, down, put me down, I'm done. I might get one or two, that's it. The second one's very forceful. <laughs> one hand, I had that child, but then I had my Zachary. Crazy kid. I can take him, and I can throw him pretty hot too. I mean, there's only two pound difference, so I can toss him up. And this is what Zachary looks like. <laughs> he drops in my arms and he says, again? And he'd go all day. I've never dropped either one of them. But there's, there's, two, different out, there's two different perceptions. On one hand, Louis is, 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 is okay with it, but he's terrified. And, he, and I think a part of it, he doesn't trust the outcome. He doesn't know what's going to happen. There's a sense of... I'm not really sure you're going to catch me, and I might fall and hurt myself. And on the other hand, Zachary's like, hey, throw me as high as you want. You're going to catch me. I know you're going to catch me. You're my daddy. I trust you. Do it again and again and again. Keep tossing me up. Higher. So I hit my head on the roof. Keep throwing me up. No, no, I don't. I almost throw him in a fan one time. I didn't throw him in a high. I was like, <laughs> but he's like, higher and higher, keep going. When it comes to our relationship with God and what we're going to allow him to do, and we're going to step back and go, God, I, I want you to do this in my life, There's, you're going to fall on one of those spectrums. You may allow God to throw you up once in a while. You may allow him to take you to places where in the heights you've never been before. But let me ask you, do you really trust the outcome? Do you really trust what he's doing? Do you really trust that he's going to catch you? Or are you too scared and you're like, hey, okay, okay, that's enough. I'm done. Or on the other hand, are you going to be like, you're like, hey, let's go. Take me anywhere. Let me do anything. I'm ready. I trust you. You are my heavenly father. You are God. And you are capable of doing anything. Because what really is impossible for God? Nothing. You have two ends of the spectrum here. These men stayed in Jerusalem and they were ready. And I don't think they were ready exactly for what the Holy Spirit was about to do. But let me tell you, the book of Acts is amazing. If you haven't read it lately, go and read it. Of the power and the security and the willingness of men to stand up in the, in the face of persecution, in the face of people yelling at them, screaming at them, causing them to want to 
uh, put him in jail. They, they really stood up and they had the power of the Holy Spirit saying, no, I know who I am and I'm out here on the edge, but my God has got me. And I sense him doing that in my life. So the question we must ask ourselves is, you know, what, how far are we willing to let God take us? And what power do we believe he's capable of doing things? Spurgeon says it this way, and I, I love the way he said it. In 1872, he said these words. My brethren, do you believe in the Holy Ghost? Do you believe that at this moment he can clothe us with the power just as he did to the apostles at Pentecost? Do you believe he's capable of empowering us to reach the nations? Do you believe he's capable of empowering us to reach our neighbors, our classmates, our co-workers? Do you believe he's capable of doing that? The God I read about, the Holy Spirit I read about, is perfectly capable of doing all things. Speaking languages they can't understand. He's capable. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe he's capable? Are you willing to allow that power to take over your life and take you to new heights? To jump further this way. And hear me, I'm not even saying you have to go to Zimbabwe. I'm not even saying you have to go to Africa. I'm not saying you have to go anywhere on a plane. I'm saying start with your neighbor. I'm saying start with the people walking down the street. There's a lot of hurting people in Leesburg, and I'll tell you what they need most. They need Jesus. And here's the reality. This is a phenomenal equation. It's just as good as one plus, plus one. You know Jesus. They need to know Jesus. That plus that equals the Great Commission, which is telling people about Jesus. You're the best story ever told. <laughs> inside of you and you have the power to tell it to anyone if you are willing so God wants to take you to new heights he's got you right now and he's willing to do something amazing what response will you have will you be fearful and quick to retreat or will you put a smile on your face and say my daddy's got me. Let's go. Let's do it again and again and again and again. You know what's going to hinder you? Is that fear. That fear of the unknown. That fear of, oh, what does it mean? That fear is going to scare you to the point where you're going to go, church, you, me, the church, it is time. It is time for us to step up, to throw our hands up, to yield and say, power of the Holy Spirit, move me to where I've never been before. Do things that I've never been able to do because ultimately, that's what you're here for. That's what you're here for. Pray with me. God, thank you. Thank you so much for not just leaving us stranded, but giving us the Holy Spirit. You walking hand in hand, step in step with us. 
I pray in this room. God, I pray for each individual in this room. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know where we stand with you. You know if there's someone in this room that doesn't know you in a real personal way. They can't possibly be your witnesses because they don't know you. They can't tell someone about someone they don't know. God, speak to them. Call them to yourselves. May they have the boldness to stand up and go, I need this and I want this. And, and God, call them onto your team. Pick them out. Call them by name on the winning team. For those who, who know you and just have really been kind of maybe even fearful of what you might ask them to do, give them boldness. Unleash your power. That could be a scary thing, but unleash it. Take over us. Giving us the abilities and equipping us to do the extraordinary things that seem impossible. God, I pray that you would have your way in our lives. That we wouldn't be just known as a group that meets on a Wednesday night or people within a, a building or a associated with the church name, but we would be the church that you've called us to be. Stepping out into unknown territory. Trusting you every step of the way. Start tonight as we leave this place. May we stand in awe. May we, may we just like those in, in Jerusalem that day, be bewildered in awe of what you do in us and around us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. We pray all these things in not just any name, but the name above all names, the most powerful name, the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ.